Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name's Hunter. My name's Alan. And we're here this week. Um, uh, before we do anything, um, you know, when we look at the Christian faith and we look at the Christian walk, we, we do have to understand that um, everybody is going through situations. Um, everybody has different circumstances, you know. Um, some people have death in the family. Some people have... Uh, family members that might not be Christian, you know, and Alan, when we look at life and we look at everybody, we all have situations. Um, and there's one thing that I know is when the Bible talks about bearing each other's burdens, confessing sins to one another, or just loving your neighbor as yourself, it's very important. And we're not going to go into a lot of details. We'll save that for when the time comes around. Um, but we do ask that y'all pray for Cody. Um, he's going through some things right now. Um, and we just ask that you would um, lift him up, you know, lift up all these guys uh, that have been in the podcast, Josh, Cody, Jake, Pastor Jason. Everybody's got different situations going on, Um, but we did want to come on um, this week and just start asking that you guys would pray for Cody and what he's going through. Um, He'll be back um, eventually to kind of talk about what's been going on in his life, and we want to leave that for him um, because – um, he'll share the work that God has done in his heart when the time comes. It's not mine and Alan's heart. It's Cody's heart. Um, so we would just give like a marred version of, of what's going on. So, But we do ask you to pray for him and lift him up. Um, so this week, we have finished uh, last week. And I know the episodes are coming out at random times and different things. Um, life is just hectic. And I, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses about why it's not every Thursday um, all I can ask is you'd pray for us, and um, if you're listening to this and you know me personally, get on to me about being regular on my posting. Um, uh, that's that's the truth. Um, but, you know, this week we are going to start kind of like a, a different segment. Uh, we're going to look at First John. Right now, I'll, I'll explain our church as a whole, um, our pastors, um, and, our, and our teachers, if I'm being honest with you. There's just a lot of referencing to what comes out of First John. <laughs> Um, Pastor Jason's probably been in it for about three or four weeks now. He started 1 John verse by verse. And 1 John is one of those books that makes you completely look at yourself. I think James said it best, look in the mirror intentionally, um, not forgetting, but looking under the law of liberty. Um, I paraphrased a few of those verses right there. But this is making us look as a church at our own lives. I'll share this. um, Through the preaching of this and when he was coming out of Corinthians, we saw uh, a handful of people get saved, and by get saved, they put their faith in Jesus. God saved them for the first time in their lives. They had experiences when they were younger. Majority did, one did not. But God, through the you know evaluation of you know them comparing their lives to Scripture, revealed to them, sent revelation of Christ, and that they were missing something. There wasn't evidence in their life. There wasn't desire in their life. And through that, they realized they were lost. That's the continuing testimony. Um, since then, we've also had others come out about, you know, being saved young or not seeing evidences in their life. Or, you know, even people that are Christians but just testify to a time in their life where there was no evidence and then God revealed truth. Um, it's like this last week. And, Alan, this will sound familiar because Pastor just touched on it. Um, when he talked about the person in his family, you know, he asked that question. He's like, what assurances can you see at your conversion? Um, the, the family was silent because everybody's processing and then one spoke up and that was me. And I said, based on scripture and based what you just asked, I don't see evidences when I was converted at a young age. And it bothered me 
Um, and as I continued to evaluate my life according to Scripture in that moment, there was a time period, Alan, of confession of sin that happened at a later age. And then after that, a, a transformation and a desire to get away from the things of the world and get to the things of Christ. Now, I'm not going to sit here and evaluate to the point where it's like every detail, every second. Um, but this is this is what I know, is that at a young age... And this is what I've, I've learned since that question was asked, Alan. Um, at that young age of conversion, the question's asked, what, what assurances did you see? Um, here, here's an assurance that I'll never forget. It's the first time in my life I heard God. It was the first time in my life, Alan, that I mean just through the power of the Holy Spirit, I was overwhelmed. Actually, I'm not even going to talk about emotions or feelings. Yeah. I knew that God had spoken to me about the lostness that I was in. And the only thing that I knew at that moment is if is that I needed to die to gain my life. And from there on, one assurance I've always held on to is God spoke. And then continuing through my life, God has spoke. And there was a time period where I was not doing what I was supposed to do, but yet in that God spoke. And then you look at that time of later on in life of confession, um, I didn't know what confession was, Alan. I didn't know what First John 1 and 9 is. I just kept going to the altar every Sunday thinking that would take care of my problems and my sin. And that wasn't the, the, the answer. The answer was there was no confession or repentance that was ever taught to me. And hopefully through this uh, discussion yeah. and, and, and the looking into First John, we can clear up some of the confusion uh, that's out there uh, as far as... Uh, habitual yeah religion yes or i'm just out here going what i always do type of deal and there's a sickening repetitive cycle of trips to an altar and uh i'm doing air quotes here backsliding and trips to an altar and backsliding whatever you want to call it but you boil it down to its simplest form really guys uh that relationship with god it's n- not Chinese algebra. Yeah. It's not nuclear physics. It's not something that's extremely complex to understand, or I'd never got it. It's as simplest form as understanding when God speaks, there's a directive, a mandate for me to respond yes. in obedience. And, Alan, looking at that, you know, as a young teen, but even, you know, 12. So you, you said it perfectly, though, Hunter. There was a distinct, undeniable, unquestionable, I know who this is speaking Conviction. I understand who this is. It's God, and I understand it's God. Anybody who has ever received salvation, I, I don't think I can explain that, but here's the good thing. I don't have to explain that because I know when God speaks to me. And everyone who knows his voice understands exactly what you just described. Yeah, and, and Alan, what I what I see in my, I guess, my life as a young Christian, from a young age to the age of becoming a man, was there was such a lack of discipleship. Um, you know, it was Sunday school, Sunday service, Sunday night, maybe a children's church, a Wednesday night class, and I'm not knocking all of those things, saying it never worked. But what what I saw was no one ever really sat down and explained to me 
uh, what had just taken place in my life. But I'll, I'll be honest, there wasn't a desire in me, Alan, a yeah. true desire. And when, when I when I really see that, um, I, I see what a lot of kids are going through. I see what a lot of teenagers um, are going through, where there's a period in time that they do know. Some of them know discipleship, some of them don't. But it's like they're getting their first experiences with the world or with their own decisions or with rebellion towards parents or with the influence of social media, and it gets a hold of them. Um, and the whole time they know it's wrong, but yet because of the lack of discipleship, Alan, um, they don't know what's going on. And, and that's what I, I see in my life, Alan, is like, um, you know, a lot of people be like, well, Hunter, how can you make a profession as a young kid and then have a, a season or a time period of sin and habit? And it's like, no one told me otherwise. Yeah. Now, you you might be saying, well, Hunter, I mean, what do you mean? I mean this. I knew there was conviction in me, Alan, but I was always told and it always was portrayed to me that if you go to the altar, it fixes things. And that's where it was wrong. No one ever took the time to set me aside and explain that to me. But, Alan, when I hit an age of about 18 and I was at a camp, all of a sudden I saw people testifying about who they were before Christ and who they were after Christ. And all of a sudden, the conviction hit me that all of the sins that they were talking about were things I was in, Alan. And it hit me for the first time in my life. It's like, okay, God is wanting me to confess. God is wanting me to repent of these things and turn to Him. Alan, through experience and through the power of the Holy Spirit, that was the first time in my life I learned what true repentance was, if I'm being honest. Um, that was the first time in my life I knew what First John 1 and 9 meant. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. Um, Alan, there was a desire in me from that day forward to pursue the things of God. And so when I look at the sanctification in my life, I, there was a process of me going from milk to milk to milk to milk to milk. And even as an 18 to 19 year old guy, still on milk, Alan. Um, it's like I look at my life now, and it's like the last couple, two or three years is the first time I've actually started getting into meat. Um, but it's like there was a lacking of discipleship yeah. and instruction there. And, Alan, you know, from that day of confessing and repenting, I left that and went back home and started to cut things out of my life. Um, Alan, I went back, and I'll, I'll be honest, I tried to go back to those same environments, and I couldn't. Exactly. I couldn't. <laughs> and I, I'm talking about, That's... Alan, and this is how real it got. I went to one guy's house, and guys I went to church with were there. And they're like, Hunter, you want some of this stuff? No. Yeah. Why not? Guys, I don't know how to explain it, but let me tell you something. I went to this camp, and the camp had nothing to do with it, but God got a hold of me, and I can't do this stuff anymore. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's not, an, it's not a, 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 a systematic list of you can't, you can't, thou shalt, legalistic type. It's not that at all. Your desires have it's, changed. It's different. And yeah. it's, I don't have to explain to you why I don't want it no more, but let me tell you that God's made me look at things differently, and he's put his love in my heart. And uh, just like we've heard preached for the... I, my life should resemble him. Yeah. And, and that's like, 
when you look at your life now, like so many people would listen to this, Alan, from different denominations or from the same denomination and be like, this boy missed it. This boy has no clue what he's talking about. But can, can I, let me share something with you if you're listening to this and maybe that's your thought. Sanctification is a work in your life that Christ starts at conversion where you're sanctified and set apart. And sanctification is becoming more like Christ. Can I testify for a second that that is more evident in my daily life than it ever has been? Al, let me share this. I'm getting... <laughs> let, me, let me share this. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, our service today, Pastor asked a question about who, who's willing to confess a sin they've had to, you know, and you shared and Brother Brian shared. but And I wanted to, but that moment, you know, it, it passed and I was like, okay, Lord. But let me share this, Alan. This last week, I was challenged to not brag or talk about myself. And do you know what I found out? I was broken come Tuesday, come Monday. Because I was so convicted, Alan, because Sunday night, just from Sunday night to Monday night, I didn't brag, I didn't commend, I really watched the things I said, and I'm not bragging about that, but listen to this, Alan, do you know what happened? I talked less Mm -hmm. in those 24 hours. You want to know what that showed me? That's how much I talk about myself. Yep. And I was convicted, and I'm still convicted by the Spirit to not talk about myself or glory in the knowledge that I have. Why? Why? Because I want to be like Christ. And do you Alan. know, listen, here we go. We're going to get, it's getting deep. This is getting into some, some meat stuff here that we've, we've talked about. What's wrong with that, Hunter? You are smart. And I can sit here and pat you on the back and fluff your skirt and let you go, you know what I'm saying? And build you up to a position to where in my best intentions, I'm, I'm wanting to mentor. I'm yes. wanting to pour into you. I'm wanting to help you. In all reality, I could be crippling you, setting you up to a position to where now you get elevated in your yes. sense of self-worth. And now, instead of helping in your sanctification process, I'm, I'm aiding in your destruction. And guys, this process of, of sanctification, it's active. And it's not about the stuff I give up or the stuff I stop doing. It's about me listening sensitively to the Holy Spirit, being obedient and trying to be more and more like Him. Yeah. And, and Alan, he, here, here's the thing. It's like people could probably look at the conversion or what the story I just shared about my personal you know, salvation. Um, Alan, what I see is a boy who was saved at a young age, lack of discipleship, all of a sudden, what do you see comes in a backslidden state because of lack of teaching, lack of discipleship, lack of um, uh, studying in the Word, lack of exposure to doctrine, and then a boy who ends up making some bad decisions and chastisement and conviction comes so strong in his life that he has no other option but to walk away. And let me tell you, it cost, Alan. I lost a lot of good friends. I, I lost a lot of good um, you know, people in my life, and, and Alan, it, it was, you know, w- once that separation in my life took place where I was like, I get it now, Lord, I, I don't want to go back to a bad, slim state, I want to pursue you like I should have been, it brought me to a place of, you know, people looking down on you as you're like the black sheep of, of the flock, and I'm not bragging about that, that's, that's not fun, but this is what I know as I look back, it was worth it. 
Yeah. It was worth 100%, it. 100%, man. It was 100%. worth it. Yep. Because to become more like Christ and to pursue him more, it was worth it. And, you know, um, going back to what I was sharing about this last week, it's worth it. And I see things, Alan, that I, I've never saw in myself before because of one challenge that was given to me. Um, for instance, I glory in knowledge more than I glory in anything else. But here's the reality. Who gave me that wisdom? Yeah. Who gave, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I'm using myself as an example because I, I, I want to share these things because it's on my heart of what God's doing in my life. But number one is this. We all should be able to look at our lives, Alan, and see the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Word in our lives. And I'm telling you, Alan, it, it, it's changed. It, it's cha- it continues to change me. Because it's like I read a, a book uh, in a book I have a few weeks ago of a pastor, Alan. Listen to this. A pastor, a well-known pastor that came to the point in his life where God convicted him because he identified more as a pastor than a child of God. And he proceeds to talk about the issues that brought in his life. And some people look at this man as, that could have never happened to him. He's a preacher. He's a pastor. But, Alan, you know what that testimony did? God used that and said, Hunter, who do you identify as? Yeah. Why do you study, Hunter? <laughs> Why do you pray? Wow. Do you know what I found, Alan? The reason I was studying was to prepare for opportunities, which you need to. You yeah, need to yeah. study, but, and but God will teach you. Yeah, when we get back to that, you can talk about motives, and nobody knows my motives but nobody. me and God. You could see anybody here on Sunday and think they've got it going on, but I was wrecked, Alan, because what private devotion did I have? None. I mean, I would read, right, my prayer life. Uh, I, I mean, there was a point during this time period where, like, you know, my prayer life. God was really pushing me to pray for things in my life and pray for His leadership and amen to that. But where was that morning devotion? Mm-hmm. Where was looking at a text and just saying, God, show me, speak wow. to me. But do you know how easy it is to get to that? I mean, you work 40 hours a week. You've got your family. You've got your your things you got to do. Okay, now you've got to prepare for a sermon. Now you've got to prepare for a Sunday school. And it's so easy to get your free time and you're like, I just need to rest right now. I just need to do this. But God pressed me, Hunter, you do all these things, and you want to identify as a pastor. You want to identify as a smart guy, but where in the world is your devotion? Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like you get to the point where your cup's not full, your cup's empty, and you're still trying to pour out into other people's lives, but it's because you don't identify as a child of God. You're trying to identify as your position. And Alan, here's here's what I'm seeing. How many people identify as Christians because they go to church or they serve in a position or they have a baptism or they have some sort of thing, but in the reality in their heart, they're as empty as they were beforehand? Hey, first John will flesh a bunch of that stuff out. And that's what bring it'll bring to light yes. the credibility, the factual characteristics that are in true believing saving faith. And, and, and Alan, that is what the scriptures do. Absolutely. That is what the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit when the Bible refers about enlightenment, enlighten our hearts and different, that's talking about revealment. It's like, excuse me, if I were to, Alan, if we were in a, uh, if we went to a cave and you had no clue that there were animals in there and all of a sudden I said, Alan, let me get this flashlight and I shone it on it, right? And you're like, oh, I see there's animals now. Um, poor example, but I say that to say this. 
the Spirit brings things to light. Absolutely. He, I, I mean, in and, our lives, in our walk, how we treat others, it's there. We could go through and, 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 and name off a list, and our pastor does a really good job of being high-level and generic, of uh, not specific. Because it doesn't matter if it's cussing, if it's porn, if it's smoking, if it's drinking, if it's meth, what the, what it is, but it's the process yeah. of being obedient to the Holy Spirit, cutting those things out of our life that are not godly. Yeah. And it, it's, it, it, in, in your case, you know, how much do I talk about myself? You know what I'm saying? It's not like smoking a meth pipe, but all in righteousness, all in righteousness is, sin. is sin in the eyes of God. And and that's that's it. Alan is like the Bible says to know good and do it, not sin. So when you look at your life, listeners, when we look at our lives, we have to look at the things that we do, the things that we say, the way we live our life, and ask this question: Does this line up with the scriptures? And I'm not talking about do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Let me ask it in another way: Does your life line up to the life of Christ? Because let me let me let me say this. If your position or your attendance is righteousness, where in the world did Christ ever use those things as righteousness? Do you know what righteousness is? Righteousness is put on our half on our behalf because of what Jesus did on the cross. But as the text we read today in first John Chapter 2, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness also has been born of him. What righteousness do you practice? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, going to church and attending church or being faithful to a position or being that pastor or being that song leader, what righteousness is that? It's not the activity. It's the position of the heart while performing the activity. It, What's my motive? The motives. What's my motive? I mean, if we're if we're talking about if we were to ask this question, everybody that listen to this, everybody you go to church with or we go to church, what does practicing righteousness look like in your life? Everybody would say, well, to read your Bible more, to go to church more, daily Bible to reader. pray. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk about this. <laughs> what does true righteousness look like in your life? It looks like what Christ did. Absolutely. And do you know what? If you read just the the Sermon on the Mount itself, right? The Beatitudes. Are those evident in your life? Are those evident in my life? Uh, the salt. Am I salt, right? Um, loving your enemy as yourself. Is that evident in your life? Forgiving your... It's 70 times 7. Forgiving someone who's done you. Is that evident in your life? Another question. To follow Christ to the point when no one else will, but you're the only one left. Is that evident in your life? And we could use so many biblical passages. And that's not Alan. that's not superhuman stuff. That, that's 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 a that's a that's a faith. That's a belief yes. that God puts inside of you to work. You said it. He compels you. You said it. He compels you. God puts it in you and compels you. You don't do it no. by yourself. No, 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 no. So here's the thing: if you read your Bible or study just because you think that makes you more righteous. That's a checklist. Exactly. I'm telling you this. The person that gets in the Word to study it so they can become more like Christ, Yeah, that is true. That's your, that's a true motive. Uh, study thyself. Study to show thyself approved, a workman unto God. Right? That studying to show thyself, to prove thyself. He right? Puts, he puts that curiosity in there to where you, you yes. can't rest until you find the answers to these yes. questions that you've got. When the psalmist says... As a deer pants for water, my soul pants for you, O Lord. Is that evident in your life? I mean, give us this our daily bread. Yeah, food. But like when we talk about that Christ is the man of the bread from heaven, do you desire that? 
the Lord said, you know, that uh, don't the, when it talks about the food of these things, He said, seek the things above. Colossians 3, 1, seek not the things of this earth, but seek the things that are above. John 6, 33, seek the kingdom first. All things will be added on you. What man who worries thinks that he adds another day to his life? Do you can't see what I'm it. saying, Alan? can't do it. You can't do it. But here's the thing. Because of the desire in me to be like Christ, because it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live on earth, I live by faith in the Son of God. The life I now live in the flesh, which means this. It's not Hunter operating as an independent individual anymore, Alan. That's who I was when I was lost. It is now Hunter that depends by faith on the Son of God who lives in him daily. Attached to the vine. It. And I'm telling you, you can't abide it. You can't abide it. You, you you can't exist. Yes, detached. Yes, from the vine. He you says, can't do it. Abide in me as I abide in you. That's not an option, no. Alan. A vine, a true vine that is of the true vine that produces true. Let's tell fruit. our listeners because we've done a little bit of we we talk and we study and we but we'd never get together and study. So just kind of coincidentally, when we decided, hey, we're going to go into First John and we're going to just kind of come alongside our pastor and just have a a, a series that supports uh, our pastor's verse-by-verse study, both of us this week wound up in Big John. Not Little John, Big John. And wh- where I found John 3, everybody, typically when you start quoting Scripture, it starts out with John 3, our brain jumps to, for God so loved his world. The world. His only his only, son. Yep. Believe in him shall not perish. But, yeah, but if you keep on going through that chapter right there, it talks about, uh, it, and again, I won't read, but there's there's really good scripture. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but he came into the world that through, through him, him, the world they, might be they saved. They could, they could be saved. And now that's what's that look like, because everybody's saved, right? We have that conversation. We get out in the community, and we start uh, visiting like for Bible school or for revival and say, hey, we'd like for you to come to church. Uh, but more, while we're here, our biggest concern is what's your relationship with Christ? Have you been Oh, yeah, everybody's been saved. Yeah. So let's go on and read a little bit more here in 17, 18, 19. But uh, it talks about uh, he that believeth on him uh, not uh, is condemned. And go, go on, let me read this. Uh, and uh, 19 says, and this uh, is the condemnation that uh, light has come into the, the world, world and, and men uh, loveth darkness. darkness instead of light. Yep. So Their deeds are evil. Their deeds is evil. And when you start reading that, it says everyone that comes uh, to the light, yeah, that doeth evil, hateth the light. Yeah. It says that in verse 20. It says, uh, neither cometh uh, to the light yeah. because their deeds... Our, 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 our deal should be uh, should be reproved. So, as we go through this and we we start thinking about those folks who have some issues with sticking in church, they have some issues with uh, uh, sanctification, they have issues with wanting to be worldly or straddling the fence or being uh, double minded. Understand that process of conversion, it's light and dark. There's there, there's there, in him is light. And there is no darkness. Yeah. And the world loves darkness because our deeds are evil and we don't want folks condemning us. But here's the deal. Our de- our deeds condemn us already. And when you look at, like, you know, he was talking about, you know, with, with John, the gospel of John, not John's first and second, third John's, but John the gospel. When you look at 
like chapter 15, you know, I, I am the true vine. My father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so it may bear more fruit. Alan, here, here's the thing. When you look at this text, how many people identify in the Christian faith? How many people? Like, Basically everybody. I mean, let's look at this. Like, If he's talking to the disciples, how many people at this time period identified as people of God? But yet, look, he says, I'm the true vine. Yep. So he, he's the source, right? He is the vine. The Father's the vine dresser, right? The Father is the one who draws us to Christ. But he's also the one who turns people over, right? When we look at Romans 1 or different things, the Father has that control. The Father is sovereign, right? He said the Father's the vine dresser, so this is it. The Father is the one who determines who's truly a vine and who's not, yep. right? He knows. Yep. Okay. Um, and we're not separating Jesus and the Father because they are one, but look what Jesus is saying. I'm the true vine. The Father is the fine dress, vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so it can bear more fruit. Okay, Alan, think of this picture according to first what we've been hearing on First John. And this is what I've been talking to Pastor Jason about. People that are truly of the true vine, Alan, they will bear fruit. Can't help it. But look at this, Alan. He said he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. He said, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Alan, there was a f- fruit was produced when they were saved. There was an evidence. Christ saved them, right? Separated them, sanctified them. He's calling them to a holy life. Now they're a new man in Christ. New, they've been born again. Fruit. But now look what the Lord says. He prunes it so it can bear more fruit. So when we're saved, Alan, we are saved from our sins, but in that moment we are saved and we are conforming to we begin conforming to the image of Christ. We will never be Jesus. He was Jesus, but we become like him because we were buried in his death. We, right? We were raised up in his resurrection, right? So spiritually, Alan, we're saved. But see, the fruit that comes out of that is you still keep becoming like Christ. Yep. You don't become like the world. You don't become like Satan. You don't become like your neighbor. You're becoming like Christ. So listen, the fruit is bared. You are of the true vine. But look, God prunes it to bear more fruit. God will convict and remove things off of that vine, Alan, thorns, whatever it may be, so that way more fruit can be produced. Alan, I love this phrase, God will not leave a child where they are. Mm-hmm. That means this, how you were 30 years ago, you should not be the same 30 years no. ago and now. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. Because why? If you're of the true vine, you bear fruit, right? He prunes the vine. He, he takes things away so it can bear more fruit. God produces more fruit, Alan. He produces more evidence. But what does that actually mean? That doesn't mean church attendance. That doesn't mean daily Bible readers. That doesn't mean putting more money in the plate or being consistent at it. It means becoming more like Jesus. Becoming more like Jesus. We are here in His name. The church is made of Him, not these external things, Alan. And I'll tell you what, if you worry more about looking like Jesus, your life, your decisions, your behavior, resembling Jesus and being committed to that, they ain't nobody going to have to run you down come tithing time. It's natural. There's nobody going to have to run you down and say, you know, have you read your Bible any this week? Nobody's got to run you down and say, it's getting close to church time. Where are you going? Those things all take care of themselves when my life 
is mirrored up with the scripture in a passionate pursuit to be like Jesus. And Alan, you're not afraid to confess Christ before men. Exactly. Whether that's a testimony or like Brian did this morning. Hey, I'm convicted. He said, I'm convicted. Yeah. I, yeah. I've got a thing in my life. And here's the deal. He said something specific that we won't call out. Okay. But when Brian, through the aid of the Holy Spirit, is able to overcome that, there will be other things. I've got a, I have a multitude of things to work on. Yeah. And it's an ongoing process that until God comes and calls me home, I need to be intentional. I need to be uh, uh, on purpose pursuing that, cutting things out, listening to the Holy Spirit, and, and obeying His voice. And Alan, think about this. Haley and I started this documentary last night, and we've talked about the Puritans a little on here. When you think about the Puritans, Alan, think about this scenario. Okay. Um, the Catholic Church is still the main cause of all things, and they have, I think it's Henry VIII, he's king. Okay, Henry VIII is married to a woman, Alan, but wants to be married to another woman. Okay? So he tries to convince the Pope to annul his marriage, and the Pope won't do it. Um, Alan, this is back in the day when the Catholic Church was not the way it is now. But the Pope won't do it. So do you know what Henry VIII does, Alan? He makes a new law. He makes a new law that he is superior to the Pope. Therefore, he can determine church matters and government matters. So what do you think the first thing he did was? He annulled his marriage and married the other woman. Now think about this. Now when the Protestants, uh, Alan, when they start, after the Reformation and things, and you see the Protestant church start to form, but yet you see Puritans start forming, Alan... Puritan's main thing, now, we could get into the things they did wrong, but listen to this. Puritan literally has the word of what they were about in it. Pure. Holiness. Right? So look at what they came from, Alan. They wanted to separate from those things. They wanted to be pure. They're coming from a king that was literally divorcing his wife, trying to justify in the eyes of the church that he could do it, and now the Puritans are forming Puritanism. Holiness purity in life and how they lived. Now, you know, they did go to the point of burning witches and different things. That's a topic for another day. But there were though there were few men in the Puritan way of life, Alan, that were probably some of the best preachers you'll ever read after. Why? Because they wanted purity in their life. Alan, they wanted to be more like Christ. Yep. I'll never forget at my ordination, Alan, Jake preached that message about them Gentiles that went to the disciples and said, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. That was the title of the message. We wish to see Jesus. Those men wished to see Jesus, Alan. They wanted to be more like him. And here's what I know, Alan. If people would get more obsessed of becoming more like Jesus instead of denominational issues yeah. or family issues or identity issues, Alan, that, that I'm talking about myself right there, worrying about what other people think about you. Yep. And you'll get to the point where you just desire to be like Christ. Can I tell you something? That's real. Yeah, it is. That is real. Yeah, and I thank God for His grace. I thank God for the Spirit that lives within me. And I thank God for those Puritan men that set a standard, Alan. Not that they are the standard, but the way they pursued Scripture in their life and holiness is amazing in a testimony. Why? Because Scripture says, Be ye separate. right? Be holy, for I'm holy. Come out from them. I'm going to bring you out from them. Peculiar. Peculiar people. 
But when we look at the, or I'm of the vine, right? Abide in me, uh, and I'll abide in you, Alan. And then all of a sudden we get to 1 John, right? And this is John who followed Christ, wrote the gospel of John. Alan, he's, they tried to kill him, but he stayed alive. Think of all these things. John's seen all of his brethren die. And then all of a sudden you get down to 1 John. Listen to this first section. Think about all these things we've talked about, everything. John says this. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was revealed, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. So one thing that just going from a secular thing, uh, my job, when I do an accident investigation, uh, we document everything, and they, they, they tell you when, you when you do these investigations, you need to prepare like a New York attorney. You record everything that you got. What is permissible, what is impermissible. So secondhand hearsay, all these, you can't use that as a document of evidence to be factual. But a firsthand eyewitness account, you can use. So John starts off by saying, hey guys, <laughs> ain't nobody tell me this. This ain't something I read in a book. This, ain't, this, is, this is life experience, guys. I've yes. handled it. I've been there. I know it. It's true. And, and Alan, here's the beautiful thing. What John is testifying of right here is Christ. Yep. That's it. That's it. And this whole book is about Christ, but our lives in comparison to the way Christ has called us to live. And I'm telling you, if a person can realize this, these truths in here, and what it means to live in the light, they will experience freedom. Because you want to know why, Alan? I don't have to try to be something I'm not anymore. Now, every day do I strive to not sin? Yes. But I don't have to identify as anything anymore than let alone a child of God. And what do I want to testify of? What do I want to point people to? Exactly what Paul did. I've determined to know nothing among you, Corinthians, except Christ crucified. Perfect. And I, But here's the thing, Alan. In my life, me personally, I see that now more because why? I would tell people I wanted to know Christ crucified, but guess what I, else I wanted to do? I wanted to show people how smart I was. Well, here's the deal, honey. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do, I do. Here, 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 here we are. I'm double your age, right? And I can sit here and say, man alive, this kid has a head full of knowledge. And I said that statement that I made earlier about trying to help you and, and, and pour into you. And, and I, when literally you, you have as much if not more scriptural knowledge than I have. Why does that not bother me and worry about, because here's what I've, encourages me out of what just came out of your mouth. You've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. It, I, don't, I won't have to correct you. I won't have to say, Hunter, now you need to settle down. You're getting a little too elevated in your own opinion. The Holy Spirit will do that for me. Yep. And he'll do it right. He won't hurt your feelings. He won't stunt your spiritual growth. He'll do it perfectly. Yes. And, and, and the end result will be you being more Christ-like. Yes, and that's where 
you know, pride comes before the fall or, you know, pride, folly, all these. Exactly. When you, but when you look at what John's saying here, John is one of the most, I mean, you know, we don't compare the writers, but when you look at the way John writes, it's elegant, eloquent. It, it It's wisdom filled. It's intelligent. He is reaching things that only God can reveal to a man. But do you know what? John says right here, I'm just here to testify of what I've seen, what I've heard, what was revealed to me, what was shown to me, and guess what? I'm sharing this with you that my joy may be complete, but his joy in sharing the gospel, Alan. That's it. And when he goes through here, God is literally inspiring him to write these texts, but this is what we know. John doesn't say, look at all the things that I've done in the first few verses. He's testifying to what God revealed to him. And exactly you see what I'm saying? Right. So, yeah, yeah. So when we get into this, guys, you're going to see, uh, as, as we start talking more and get into the, the, there will be evidences of salvation, but it's not a to-do list or things that accomplish accomplishments that I've done to be able to tell, save your life. When, when we get into this and start reading and studying about the evidences of salvation, it's that fulfillment of Scripture where salvation occurs. And I heard it explained like this. Grace is where God reaches towards humanity. Faith is where humanity reaches towards God. And the Bible says we're saved by grace through our faith. That's salvation. And when that happens... God reaches towards us first, initiates, and then when we reach towards and respond in faith, salvation happens. And the Bible says it's not a works, works lest any man should boast, but it's a free gift. Yes. So when that happens, salvation happens. Old things pass away. All, All things, things become, become new. new. You are a new, new creation, new creature, brand new, made new in him. Now, when that also happens there's evidences that are as plain as the and i got a good one nose on my face I, I, i've got a loving nose and we're well known historically for our, it's a dandy mm. <laughs> it, they're plain as the nose on my face evidences that are a byproduct of salvation and we're i'm getting passionate just thinking about the fact that you know what the things that God have, has given me, and I, again, I'm emotional, and I don't apologize for it. it. I try not to operate on emotions, but when you when you understand the goodness of God and the things that have happened as a byproduct of His salvation that He's given to me, oh man, yeah, it, it does something to me. But the promises that are given are supported with evidences. That it has happened. Yes. And we'll, be, we'll, we'll spend some weeks talking about that. And, and here's what I know. What John just, God's revealed. Only a person that is indwelt and led by God can realize that there are things in them that need to go away or be repented of, but need to be corrected. Why? Because they're not like Christ. They're not. I mean, Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. But here's the reality. He helps point me to those commandments. Why? Because where I lack, He reveals. Yep. Where I lack, He reveals. And it's just like, Alan, God has gifted everybody differently, and we could talk about 
you know, I could share the things that God's taught me and the way he's done all these things, but do you know where my failure was to the point where I got to the point where I was like, I like the recognition I'm getting. I want people to think I'm smart. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you see that? Yeah. But now it's like, Alan, it just don't matter. You don't. It, it really doesn't. I mean, like, if I were to go this whole life trying to get everybody to think I was smart, I would exhaust so many efforts into trying to appear as smart instead of trying to be a little more like Jesus. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I look at Paul. Paul said at one point that if anyone could brag, it would be him. Why? He was the top of his school. I mean, when he went to that school, I believe it was of Shammy, and he studied in the Pharisaical ways, he was number one in his class. And he said, if anyone could brag, it would be me. Oh, yeah. But then you find that text where he said, if there's anything worth boasting in, it's boasting in Christ. Yeah. That I determined to know nothing among you. Yeah. I didn't come here in men's wisdom. Do you know how easy it would have been for him oh, to yeah. use He's his just intelligence? A Pharisee, a Pharisee. He could have used he his intelligence. All the his, all the, but he yeah. said, I've determined to know nothing. Right? Got it is done. The, the, the power of God, right? It, a big old steaming pile of It's dung. folly to them that are yeah. perishing, but to us it's the power of salvation. And when you get in 1 Corinthians 2 and Paul starts talking about spiritual wisdom, he's saying, listen, I'm going to proclaim the things that were revealed to me, not what men's wisdom says, because that's folly to God. He said, through power and demonstration of the Spirit, I will preach the things of Christ. And know nothing but Christ. Out of obedience. And when you study First Corinthians, he does have to lay church order. He does have to address things. But what does everything point to? Christ. 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 And this is the reality. You could know justification. You could know all these things. But Alan, do you know what John's doing right here? He's not saying, let, let me show you everything. Let me, t- let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you how smart. He said, I'm... I, I speak of what I've heard, what I've seen, what's been revealed, and this is what I revealed to you. And the first thing he says in his message, verse 5, this is the message we have heard from the, from him and announced to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. John didn't say, let me explain all the doctrines. He said God is light and in him is no darkness. Do you see how simple that is? That's a concept that even I understand. But But that is truth. And that's what I'm saying. We don't need to judge things based off intelligence or non-intelligence. What do we need to base things off? Is it of Christ? Is it like Christ? Does it give Christ glory? Because there are too many men, Alan, in pulpits, and I've done this. There are too many men in pulpits that when they preach and they get done, they want to evaluate everything they said and did and explain why. Because somewhat they're looking for glory in themselves instead of or they, God. Or they, or, or they want to judge their performance on how many people come to the altar. Yep. Or how many people attended the service. Oh, we're down today. I don't know. But see, this... Yeah, it, it, nothing to do with that. But, Not a thing to do with that. But this is an example of what it looks like to come to life. These, these things that we've testified of in here, the things that God has given us and revealed to Alan and I as we keep going through this, these are the things that God has convicted us of and made us bring to the light. Why? Because God is light. Yeah. In him is no darkness. There's no secrets, Alan. You know, I, I believe it's like Ezekiel. It's in Ezekiel 6 or it's in 13 or 12, somewhere around there. But when he said, Son of Man, and he crawls through that hole, and he sees all the elders of Israel in the dark, worshiping false gods, mm-hmm. saying, God's forsaken us, all these things. That God's not in that. God's not of that. God's of what's in the light. And I mean, he just keeps going, if we say we have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness. We lie. 
We don't practice the truth. Do you know what pride is, Alan? A pride issue is? That's darkness. Yeah, it is. Do you know what a person needs to do? Alan, you know what I need to do if I'm walking in pride and I say I have fellowship with him? Someone's lying. Someone's lying, Alan. And something's got to be brought to the light because here's the reality, Alan. When we go through 1 John, and our, we go through this church and people talk about 1 John, or they talk about any of the gospel. Do you know what the truth is, Alan? And, and we could talk about some of the situations. People present truth, and it's either people come to the light or they don't, yep. Alan. Yep. It's either people respond to God's word and God's decrees, or they go do their own thing, Alan. Exactly right. There's no gray areas. One person said you can't live in the shadow. You can't live between darkness and light. You can't just live in a mere shadow. You either live in the light or you don't. And you know what, Alan? In my life, and I I pray I remember this as I continue on, I remember that through ministry, through my own walk, through people I'm involved with, through my family, whoever it is, it's either they're going to come to the light or they're not. Exactly. And to refuse scripture, to refuse salvation, to refuse the ways of God is not living in the light. Why? Because he is light. That's and it. if this word is of God, then this word is in the light too. Yep. We walk by this, by faith. And Alan, I- I'm telling you, in my life, I see a lot of things I need to submit to God in. I need to pray about it. I need to repent of but do you know what else, Alan? Going through First John makes me worried about people. Yeah. People. I'm not going to say what people. I'm just saying people. People that come here, people who don't come here, people I work with, people in my family. Humanity. I worry. Humanity. Humanity. Yes. Why? Because it's just like you said, Hunter. When that light is exposing things in your life, the Scripture is very clear that his sheep know his voice because he's the good shepherd and some strange shepherd they won't follow nope because they're his yep and we identify understand and communicate with him yes so when he reveals stuff to us just like you've so honestly shared with everybody that's going to listen to this podcast from now on your response was to be obedient to that because you understand and know his voice but it's like it's like Alan. It, it comes to a point where it's like you're not afraid to confess that or profess that before men. Why? You want to live in the light. You want to live in the light. Yeah. yeah. And if I have an issue or I have a struggle, I pray I remember to bring that to my brethren that they would pray before yeah. for me in that, but would help me and help me be accountable. Why? I want to live in the light, Alan. Me too, man. I don't. I don't, the- I don't want to hide things. Yeah. From myself, I don't want to hide things from God. And Alan, if there's something that I've hidden from, I mean, to the point where I'm blind to it, I pray that God brings it to the light. Why? I want to live in the light. I I can't get over Alan. It's like Gavin and I were talking one day. When Gavin first started confessing, you know, that he had a, a struggle in his life with things that he looked at. And he wouldn't care if I openly talked about this. Do you know what we talked about one day? That feeling of repenting and coming to the light with that before God, not before men, but before God. Yeah. Repenting of that and then getting to the point where you're not afraid to hide, to share the things that you've been hiding or confess your struggles that someone would help you be accountable. Alan, I can't get over that. That's credibility. Why? 
I want to live in the light. I'm yep. telling you, Alan, if it costs everything, it's worth it. It's credibility. Man. It's, it's worth it's, it. That's that's what makes this relationship between me and God so precious. Same thing with me and my wife, right? Me telling my wife I love her is no evidence. But the way I interact with her, the way I treat her, the way I respond to to her and I come home every day to her and I provide for her and I support her. The lifestyle that she has witnessed for the past almost 30 years now is proof that I love her. These guys that tell women they love them and then beat the far out of them or they cheat on them and sleep, sleep. That's, you know what I'm saying? Anybody can look at those and say, no, you don't love that person or you wouldn't treat them like that. No different with God. Because of our sincerity and our honesty and our credibility, you know what I'm saying? It's not what we say that proves we're a Christian. It's our actions that say, you know what, I love you. And here, because I love you, I'm going to listen to you. I'm yeah. going to listen to your voice. I'm yes. going to obey you. <laughs> yes, and that's that's it, Alan. When you live in a life like that with your wife, is it not great? Credibility is, is it, everything. Is it, it not awesome? And what you just described was com- how do you preserve credibility? How do you how do you preserve that? And, and Alan, it's transparency. You, I'm an open book, man. Yes, I'm an open book. And that's what I'm saying. When you get to the point where you're transparent and you want to live in the light, Alan, I'm overwhelmed. Exactly. Because I can't get over living in the light. Yeah. Why? Because God has convicted me and drawn me to the light by His grace, not based off anything that I've done. And what does He call me to, Alan? What does He call us to? Holiness. Holy living. Holiness. And I can't get over that. <laughs> because when, you, when you're exposed by the light, you're exposed by God's Word. He's convicting you. He's wanting you to be more like Christ. You know what you see in that? That He loves you. Yeah. It's all based off the love that He has for you. And you can't get over that. Yeah. Because you bring it to the light. Yep. And you never... Stop. Alan, what happens to the point where I don't bring something to the light? Do you know what comes into my life? Conviction. And darkness. Conviction. (laughs) Why? Because the Bible says that he leaves the 99 for the 1. Yeah. Listen, he doesn't leave you where you are. He doesn't forsake you where you are. When you are saved, you are sealed, you are set apart, you are sanctified for a work that is only found in Christ. Yeah. And it's continuously coming to the light and yeah. living in it. Alan, listen, it's like this: if there He's ever broke his microphone, if there's ever a time, <laughs> Alan, can I? If, if there was ever a time in my, I asked my wife this the other day. I said, Haley, if something happened hypothetically in my life, and I quit, and I, I, I quit, I went to a backslidden state. What would you do? And you know what her answer was, Alan? What's that? She said, I keep going. Yeah. And I'd pray for you. Yeah. And if we had kids, they're going. Yeah. But, Alan, do, do you do you see what I'm saying? Oh, I do. If there was a point in my life where I got to that and you came to me, Alan, and you said, Hunter, God has called you to live in the lot. Yep. Thank you, Alan. But do you know what? Do you know what's more overwhelming than God sending you, which he does do that, Alan. He He will send you to speak. But, Alan, do you know what? Is that there's a truth in me. Mm -hmm. There is a spirit in me that is bearing 
witness to the word. Then you'll know it's the truth. That you need to bring it to the light. And do you know what, Alan? There were points in my life where I would try to justify and ignore the fact that I don't, I, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do my own thing. Or, God, I, I hear you, but I'll do it later. And then do you know what happened? People started popping up. Yeah. Hey, brother, what's going on? Hey, brother, what's going on? Or, hey, brother, I love you. I'm praying for you. Hey, when are you coming back? Hey, when? how are you doing in this? Are you keeping your nose clean? Have you? Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, and it's important. It's valuable. And the, well, as we go through this study in verse John, it's going to clear up a lot of this uh, mystery, and we've talked about this before, uh, of uh, the eternal security of the believer. Uh, and the once saved, always saved, that's getting abused yep. and given the, the black eye to Christianity for folks who, you know what, I wouldn't, I, I'm nobody's judge, and the Bible says to let the wheat and tire grow together, right? But everybody that says, Lord, Lord, ain't going to enter in. The Bible says that. It's very plain. And if you can backslide for 50 years and not have chastisement in your life, you're probably not a son. There's a word in there that says, well, that's not a very pretty word, but. Yeah, it says you're bastard. That's what it says. You're not a son. You're bastard. You're illegitimate Illegitimate children. child. Yep. So you're not his. Yeah. So, and literally, I, I've I, this is not me bragging on, but there's been a time in my life spiritually where I allowed things to come in and got to a point where I thought, you know what, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm I am. I'm, I'm, I'm washing my hands. I'm done with it all. And literally, Hunter, I thought. God was going to strip me of my sanity. <laughs> what little I got left, I thought he's going to take it. So uh, I think it's impossible for a true child of God to be able to walk away from it and stay backslidden for 30 years. Yeah, Alan, and just, I was going to read that verse. So if someone's listening to this and maybe they're not very familiar with Scripture, um, they'll, they'll know what we're talking about instead of me and you're just sitting here uh <laughs> cursing or something like that just so everybody's with me <laughs> yeah. um when you look at this verse in the king james um it, it says this hebrews 12 8 but if ye be without chastisement whereof all are partakers then you are ba- ye are bastards and not sons all his children get get chastised and that's when right. they get out of line all whereof all are partakers all, all of his children yep and if you don't have it you're not of him you're not, you're not a child plain and simple yep and this is alan there's going to be so much that we get into. I, I mean, and we might be stuck just on God is light and in Him is no darkness. Why? Because one sentence is alive because it's the words of God that influence the way of humanity and how we operate, Alan. I'm telling you, that phrase alone influences. Yep. It bothers me, Alan. Why? Because God is light. And in him is no darkness. And do you know what that makes me think, Alan? Lord, I come to you. Humble me. If there be any darkness in me, or anything that I'm doing that's of darkness, Lord, you bring that out. Yeah, You bring that out, and you bring it to the light, Lord, that I would pursue you with all my soul, strength, mind, my very being, Alan, would get to the point where I'm willing to die that I might have life. And I have that life because I got saved. But I'm telling you, Alan, you know what? That conversion I had at 12 years old, Alan, if I was sitting before you here today, and that's all I had to offer you, Alan, 
I, you asked me all the questions, and you wrote, read First John to me. And Alan, all I had to offer you was what happened to me at twelve, and how I've been in church, how I pay my tithes, and I went backwards, but I kind I started coming back to church. Would you be worried for me, Alan, well, if yeah. I had no yeah. evidences to give you? Yeah, yeah. And that's what that's... people are saying. Well, you don't need to judge people. I had someone make a comment this last week. You know, you, you can't judge. And this was my rebuttal. I said, but here's the thing: if I'm taking the Bible. And I'm telling you something the Bible says because what you're doing or saying is contrary to what God's Word says. Is it me that's really judging you or is it the Bible that's condemning you and judging you of your actions? It's the second one. The Bible. And that's what I'm saying. Alan wouldn't come to me and say, Hunter, this is what I think. This is my opinion. Alan would come to me and say, Hunter, the Bible says that you should study to show thyself approved. The Bible says that you should pant after God. Hunter, you've been telling me for weeks that you're not studying, but you know you need to be. Hunter, you're not you're not bringing your Bible. You're not even reading it. Hunter, you've been telling me you can't even understand the King James Version. That's your excuse. Hunter, you've been telling me you can't come to prayer because you have to go do something else. Hunter, you, you, you can't go tell someone about Jesus because you're nervous about what they think about you. Do you see what I'm saying, Alan? Yeah. It continues. And what would Alan do? He'd open the word, and he could simply read one verse. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Hunter, why are you not doing this? Hunter, why are you worried? Why, why, why are you worried about everybody else? Why are you not? But do you know what else Alan does but probably before that conversation comes up? Just because I know Alan. Alan, through the compassion in his heart, but the way Holy Spirit works in him, God works in him, is Alan's going to text me for weeks probably. Here and there and say, hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. Or Alan's going to call me. Hey, brother, you all right? I just want to... Do you see what I'm saying, Alan? Yep. You're praying for me and encouraging me to truth through love. While all all along, Alan, your main concern is, Hunter, you're lacking. Not based off me, but I'm seeing the word. I'm seeing your life. Alan, if I came to the altar every Sunday morning... Would you not eventually get to the point where you would wonder, excuse me, why does he keep coming? Jake shared a story once, Alan, a young man did that, and Jake told him, why do you keep coming every Sunday morning to this halter? Why? What's the point of it? Why do you keep coming here, and then you tell me about the things you're doing in the week, and then you come back the next Sunday, and it's the same thing. You know what Jake told him? He said, stop coming. Stop coming. Because if you're not willing to let God change your life, this is amounting to nothing. Yep. Do you, do you see what I'm saying, Alan? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm thankful that, Alan, me and you, or our, any pastor, have we, we don't have to go around and assure people or confirm them. Do you know who does? God, through His Spirit, through His Word, and through His Son. And that's it. That's it. That's all we have to hold to, Alan. Yep. That's the light sheds in darkness. And Jesus said in that John chapter 3 that darkness comprehended it not. But Alan, here's the reality. That light has overwhelmed a lot of people in darkness to the point where they confess darkness. And Alan, that's one thing. I, I didn't have specific sins when I was that young. But you know what I did know? I was in darkness, Alan. Oh, yeah. I was in darkness. I was heading to hell. I was not going to be raptured. I was not going to be there at, at the judgment where I, I knew I wanted to be. I wanted to be in Jesus, Alan. Yeah. yeah. But that day, that night, when he revealed to me I was in complete darkness and I was not of him, do you know what my faith was and my prayer was? And do you know the faith he gave me was? It was in the light. 
the light that came into the world. And I didn't comprehend it, Alan, then. But when he saved me, I, like I said, God spoke. The light spoke. And now my life has been centered and gravitated to that light. Yep. And so, Alan, as we keep going through these first, these the first John, second John, um, not well, say we might, but first John. Let's start there. We go through these chapters. I'm telling you what, Alan, I'm so excited for the dialogue and conversations we're gonna have. Well, me too. I've, I've got a good night, got time. I'm just gonna write it down. I'll, I'll bring it up next week. Because of the conversations we're gonna be able to have, Alan. But not just for listeners, but do you know what, Alan? For me. For me, me Alan. Yeah, for me you. Me for too. whoever joins us in this segment. Why? Because these conversations are going to point us to what, Alan? The light. The Lord. And as you listen to these things that we're going to talk about the next few weeks, this is what I ask you. Go to the Word yourself. Go to First John yourself. Go to God's Word yourself and say, Lord, search me. Lord, examine me. And can I tell you something? If you'll get to the point where you'll humble yourself before Him, the Bible says that He exalts us. But do you know what I mean? Humble yourself before Him. Search, seek your salvation with fear and trembling. Ask the Lord to examine you, to search you. Compare your life to this Word and ask Him to reveal truths to you. And here's what might happen, Alan. Someone will listen to this and realize they're lost and they don't live in the light. Or, Alan, there might be a Christian that listens to this and is like, Oh my goodness, Lord, I've never seen this in my life before. You know what? Let me confess and bring this to you so I can live in the light. I'll tell you one, a third category. This is one that we want to make sure we uh, talk about all of them and and not be bashful because this is God's Word and it's got a a, a purpose. You may be that Christian who has not progressed in sanctification and you're losing the battle in spiritual warfare and you get into a study of 1 John and all of a sudden... I want to get saved again because I'm, you know, <laughs> I've got all this immaturity, and God's already saved you, but you've not matured and developed in the faith, and you're still on that milk. You're like you're and like you're the, not. You, the yeah. pastor talked about it this morning. You have you, no need any man teach you because you've got the Holy Spirit living inside you. You're not listening to him. They're like they're like the Corinthians. You're Alan. not listening when the Corinthians tried to go back. I want to get saved again. Well, you can't. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get saved one time. You need to start minding the Holy Spirit. There are people that have been saved and they're like the Corinthians. Paul's got to write a letter to him, like guys, flee from these things. Yeah, you can't up. do these things. Grow up. Yeah, it's time to get from but milk. You, Put your big boy pants He's on. A, you see what I'm saying? And, yeah. And that, that's true, Alan. There might be a category yep. of people that listen to this. And, you know, um, for true believers, they've probably been in all three of those categories yep. before. Yep. But, um, guys, um, we are praying for you. Um, I'll pray here in just a second. We love you guys. Please keep praying for Cody. Listen, um, Alan, we're blessed. I'm telling you. Yeah. We're blessed by the grace of God through Christ. And it's like... When it talks about the f- liberties, the law of liberty in James, we quote, I quoted earlier. We quoted, we talked about, Alan. There are liberties that we have in Christ, Alan, that we keep seeing as we continually grow. And someone might say, you mean that you're getting saved through life and all of this? No. As I continue in sanctification, I continue pursuing to be more like Christ. There will be liberties mm-hmm. that He will show me through no his word that doubt. I need to grab a hold of. No doubt. And I, I'm telling you, Alan, you can't go back. You can't. You can't. You I don't can't. you don't want to. You don't want you to. Don't. You don't. So um Alan, you have anything else? 
God bless. All right. Hey, have a safe uh, weekend. I know it's Memorial Day when we're recording this this weekend, so we just want to say thank you um, to all of our veterans. Um, if you're a veteran that listens to this, um, and maybe you served in the military, um, you know, we'd love to hear from you. We want to say thank you to you, um, but we'd love to tell you individually as well. Um, we are thankful for the freedom that we have here. Ultimately, we know that God has ordained all things in the freedom we have, but we also want to recognize that there are men and women that have fought for the freedom that we have in the United States of America. And I know that the United States of America may uh, not look like it used to in the past, or it may not recognize um, things. Alan, I mean, there are people out there that don't want to recognize veterans anymore, that don't want to give respect to the ones that fought and died for this country. Alan, we're not of that. So veterans, you that are listening to this, or if you know a veteran in your family, um, you, you tell them thank you. Um, you, you, you show them that appreciation. Um, Alan, it's like I was thinking Tuesday when I get back to work, there are guys I serve with, um, in, in work I work with, not served with as a military, but they're ex-military, they're veterans. Um, if you work with people that are veterans or they served, tell them thank you because, um, you know, and I, Alan, I've met a lot of them that when you tell them that they're like, no, 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 but seriously, Um, If you haven't had to do that, Alan, I haven't had to go fight for this country, but I know men that have, and I want to say thank you, and and we just uh, are lifting you up in prayers. I know that that has caused issues. I know that's brought pain. I know some people um, have had to deal with death because of that. I can think about the men in my family that have served, but this is what we want to say. A huge thank you from the Washington Chapel podcast team, Um, and uh, Alan, I'm going to pray. Lord, we come to you in prayer. We thank you for this time. God, we want to thank you for all the people that are listening to this. God, we just pray that, Lord, you take your word, and, Father, that you would search them out with your word, Father. You draw them to truth, Father. You draw them uh, to conclusions, but, Lord, you would draw them to you. Um, Father, take this segment of 1 John as we proceed on, and, Lord, evaluate all of us in this room. Father, those who would listen, um, God, and draw us to the light, whatever that may be. Someone might be lost. Someone might be saved. Lord, you know the hearts, God. You are uh, the vine dresser, God. And you know, Father, those who are of you. Um, God, we pray for this. And God, we pray for the veterans, Lord, that are listening to this ones that are not. Thank you for them. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help them, Lord, that you would guide them. Lord, you'd draw them to truth. But, Lord, we want to thank you for their service. God, we thank you for the freedom we have. Lord, we know it's ultimately given by you. Um, God, we love you. Be with us Thursday. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We love you guys, and we'll see you next week. See you. <laughs>